to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is a degree to which we will experience freedom in Him. It's easy to be growing in Bible knowledge and learning things about God, but not necessarily growing into becoming a more loving, humble, approachable, and teachable person. Welcome you back to the Cliff Temple Podcast. I'm Gannon Sims. This is Trevor Jameson. And uh, we're um, looking at this sort of way of discipleship that is on the go. As we go, we make disciples. And so as you're listening, maybe you're on a run, maybe you're driving in your car. We want us to all be able to take every thought captive to Christ, to have the tools that we need as we need them. We're so uh, attuned in our society of education just in case. And we're really hoping that this kind of education is just in time. And so uh, that's one of our hopes as we build everyday people and everyday missionaries for Jesus Christ. And so we've been uh, looking at this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. Pete Scazzaro is an author and a pastor. He was a church planner of a New Life Christian Fellowship in Queens in New York City. And, and New Life is a, a multicultural church. New Life is a church that's uh, really meant a lot to a lot of people over many years. And, you know, Pete w- went through this whole uh, sort of existential crisis when he realized that uh, good sermons and good small groups did not make good disciples, or especially healthy disciples. And so uh, he just kept making it essentially making his people try harder more prayer more small groups more service more you know more and and it and it didn't work until he recognized what was going on in his interior life until he got okay with silence and solitude and and being with god rather than doing for god um they didn't see real life change in their church. So so this concept of emotionally healthy spirituality is not some kind of like crazy, uh, new agey kind of thing. It's, it's essentially asking ourselves how we live an examined life. And so uh, the subject of the, of the second chapter in the book is um, knowing ourselves so that we can know God. And I'd even reposition that, Trevor, to say that we've got to know God first. And knowing God enables us to live an examined life or, or helps us know who we are. So uh, give us some some thoughts you led on Wednesday. You bet. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. This is a two-way street where we know God and we know ourselves and we know ourselves and we know God. But primarily, it's got to start with God because we can be floating in this universe of be anything you want. And you and I talked about this. The thing that we have to be careful of is not just floating around saying, well, I've discovered my true self just magically. That would be new agey. But I think the reason that makes this material specifically Christian is that the thing that tethers us is our knowledge of God and who God is. And that's the means by which we find ourselves way back home, right? And so uh, we, there's this quote by Meister Eckhart, and he says, no one can know God who does not first know themselves. 
And what I think he's trying to get at through this quote is that a lot of mystics and later on the Christian existentialists said, there's stuff going on beneath the surface of your heart that you don't even realize is going on before you come to God. And so we have to do the work of uprooting these things out of our heart, these idols, these sins, right? We come to know Jesus, we come to know God, but we can so quickly take our ideas of manipulation, of um, not managing ourselves well, right? And then start to apply those to God, right? And so we can come to church for the right reasons to begin with. It's just like marriage, right? You come to um, marry your spouse for good reasons to begin with, but it can quickly become a manipulative relationship if you're not careful to tend to your heart, to realize that this is first and foremost, we have to rid these selfish things from our heart and then love God. Yeah, I mean, so much of our true selves, us, because says, is buried alive. Um, and we just, we go. I mean, I, I, I even introduced this podcast as a, as a kind of on-the-go thing, but I'm, I'm encouraging all of us as we're on the go to be attentive. Uh, what is going on around us? Let's not be uh, uh, just kind of uh, moving along in, in autopilot. And, and I think it, it, you know, people may be listening right now and they're just like, well, but I don't, I don't do feelings. I, I, don't, I don't do this sort of thing. Um, I don't have time for this. Um, I, I'm a productive person. This just causes me, this cold causing, uh, asking us to stop and, and reflect is just not what I'm good at. What would you say to those? I, th- I think it's to your detriment, really. I mean, here's, if you don't stop and slow, I mean, and, and pay attention to these things, it can be it can be dangerous, right? And so here's a great example, all right? When I was dating my wife, way back in Chicago, eight, nine years ago. And uh, I, I, she could probably tell you, I almost lost my relationship with her because I could not take myself less seriously. And we would go on skating dates in downtown Chicago, it's beautiful, but I was like an awkward penguin on the ice. And then I'd fall on my butt and she would just laugh and laugh and I just about lost it, right? But I had to pause and first reflect, do I want to keep this relationship? Because if I want to keep it, I need to take myself less seriously. Second, why am I, why is it so embarrassing to me? Why is it that I can't laugh at myself? And that was actually, it sounds like a minor detail, but really became a transformative moment where I would start making mistakes and just laugh at myself, right? It was no longer this uh, idol I had built to myself that whatever I do, I have to be perfect at. And whatever I do, I have to always keep composure in front of people, right? I can be my real self in front of, especially my now wife. Yeah, true confessions. Uh, not to bring the Enneagram into this, but it's like true confessions of an Enneagram 3. I am a 3. I think you're a 3 as well. And so that sort of uh, I am what I do. I am a performance. Um, and this is, could be further from the truth. We may unpack some, you know, the temptations of Jesus in a little bit, but um, I, I think we've we've got to um, awaken ourselves to reality of why we react the way we react when we do, um, and when we react in a healthy way, um, you know, praise God. Uh, and when we don't, it's it's a it's a moment of pause to cause us to observe and reflect and discuss why. Yeah. So I think. 
part of that why is can lead to what we talked about um, at church is this Kairos moment, right? This moment where God breaks into time. And what we're trying to see through Schizero's materials is that there's an opportunity when these strong emotions arise that this could be a Kairos moment, right? So, for example, maybe you this week experienced um, a really high moment of anger, right? Maybe even rage. And, um, and our first maybe idea as Christians is to shove that down, right? Well, the Bible says that, you know, in your anger, do not sin and vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so, okay, maybe our first thought is let's just get rid of this mm-hmm. and say, God, I need to be a nice Christian. Yeah. So we paint on our Christian face. But really what um, Schizero challenges us to do is don't shove it away. He actually says, experience the full weight of your feelings and then reflect on them. And this is part of this Kairos circle, right? We imagine this circle um, that happens in one moment of our life. And at the beginning of the circle, we start with the observation and reflection. And so it's up to me to observe and reflect, why did I experience anger in this moment? So I use the example of someone dinging my car. I cannot understand what possesses people to just fling their car doors open, (laughs) but they do, all right? It's part of life. And part of who I was, was that I would just get so mad, right? No note, no nothing, no sorry, not even like a, hey, let me pay a hundred bucks to help fix it, whatever, right? Um, So I have to observe and reflect what's going on there. This is part of the repentant side of the moment. And I have to repent of my anger that I have uplifted what is an idol in my life, right? My cars. Um, having everything be perfect. I think you're noticing a theme here, right? A perfection in my <laughs> life. But uh, then you have to turn towards the believe half of this moment is to uh, plan and have an accountability, right? So that, Gannon, you can show up, as you said, you know, and ask me, how did you do this week? Did someone ding your car? Are you doing better with it, right? And we can celebrate that. And if not, not shame, but to go back and say, You know, like this is an opportunity for us to move into holiness in Christ, to something better, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then to to further act on that. And so, I don't know, how have you seen this in your life, Gannon? Is this a hard, it sounds like really hard in the moment to try and make this happen. It is hard in the moment, but I think by having this discussion, I'm hopeful that uh, all of us will begin evaluating our lives. And so if we can catch ourselves in the act, okay, when the card word ding thing happens and we get a little bit upset, stop and observe. Okay, why did I just react that way? What am I feeling? Why am I angry? And then uh, find somebody to talk about the situation with, and you, you kind of do develop a little bit of accountability, a little action plan, a, a deeper prayer life as a result. And the same is true when you have a moment of, of deep gladness. Uh, well, why did I, why was I so happy? Um, why did I get warm and tingly inside? Let me, let me think about that sort of thing. And so these kairos moments, kairos simply is a Greek word that means it's a different kind of time. It's an inbreaking of the kingdom. So um, we want as Christians to live in a different kind of time, uh, a, a Jesus-shaped time, a God-soaked time. And so by saying, I'm having 
quote, kairos moments is really uh, to say that I'm having aha moments uh, or I'm having uh oh moments. And so I, I think it's really helpful <laughs> yep. to just divide that up. You know, if, if you don't want to, you know, get uh, all spun up about a Greek word, just say, where, where are my ahas? Where are my uh-ohs? And then observing those, reflecting those, uh, discussing them, and developing a, a, a plan of action so we can move through the feeling or move through the pain, move through the disappointment, or even, even move through the gladness uh, to greater union with, with God in Christ Jesus. That's good. Yeah. So I think what we're going to see here is this connection between emotions and being attuned to our emotions and then uh, being our true selves is what he calls it. And um, again, you started out by saying this isn't some new agey idea, right? This is really digging deep into being who God made us to be and who we're supposed to be and not dividing ourselves. We live in a world where it's really generally a given that you have this sort of divided life, your work self and your home self, and sometimes you can divide it further. I'm someone else with my friends, I'm someone else um, with my family, right? And um, because I don't wanna talk to my family about politics and I don't wanna talk about work with my friends and so on, and you just end up with this divided mm -hmm. self. And so what we want to dig into is this, um, trying to find who our true selves are in Christ. And Schizero gives us three helpful uh, temptations, right, to, to identify in our lives of what can lead us towards what's called the false self. And he says, temptation one is, I am what I do. And this is really prevalent in society. I remember bringing up a Harvard Business article on, in a sermon once where I was uh, illustrating how busyness has become a cultural virtue. When you ask someone, how are you? Well, I'm busy. The reason most people say I'm busy isn't to say, woe is me, but it's really to say, I'm, I'm making something happen here, right? I don't have time in my life for, you know, this and that. I, all I've got is work because work selves have become a core identity. Just ask yourself, what's the first question you ask people when you get to know them? what do you do, right? And what you do then determines, you know, how you stand in society and this and that. The temptation too is I am what I have. Mm -hmm. And um, and this can still be a real a big deal. I think it's kind of faded down in culture a little bit, but there is still a culture of who has the most money. Um, but I think especially nowadays with Instagram and Facebook, who's the most beautiful, mm -hmm. who's got the best looking mm -hmm. life on the surface, who has the most likes. This, I think, especially applies to I, I am what I have. Um, and we'll get to the third temptation in a second. I think it applies to that too. Um, and also having this sort of comfortable life. Temptation three, which I think it's this is related to, is I am what others think, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I am determined by how many likes I get on Facebook. I am determined by whether people pat me on my back after my sermons, right? I'm, a, I'm determined by, if I am determined by all these things, right? It's the, it's what the others think, right? It's less of a focus on what you do, but more on what others think of you, right? And this can just, all of these lead to what he says the consequences are fear and self-protection and possessiveness of our false selves and, and self-indulgence. And I think a great example of this, Gannon, is um, 
you know, for a lot of the time I've been preaching, you know, in my short stint as a pastor so far, is really uh, the first half of it was spent needing the approval of my wife first and foremost, because let me tell you, Sierra is the harshest critic of me out there, all right? Let the record be stated, (laughs) But, um, but also others as well. And so I would go into this, and I think really what it was, and this was part of my Kairos moment, my aha moment, was to say, I think this is because I want to be one of those YouTube preachers out there. I want to be someone who just, whenever people show up, they say, isn't Trevor so interesting? Doesn't he have always something fresh to say? Well, let me tell you, when it's hard, you start to run out of fresh things to say when it comes to the scriptures, because I... (laughs) A professor tell me once, if you have something new to say about the Bible, it's probably heresy, right? (laughs) And that kind of scared me, I think, internally in my thought. And so I had this moment of real self-reflection with God. What's going on in my heart? Why do I feel like I need this? And and let me tell you, it was burning me out. This was part of the consequences. I could, I would spend all week and all weekend stressing. I would preach and stress. I'm sure my stress levels were through the roof and I would just collapse and nap the rest of the afternoon because I was just so worn out. I was so worn out by this idol. And um, eventually I I had a come to Jesus moment, literally, and realized like, I don't need this approval. The Lord has created me to do what I can with the time he has given me and the talents and the rest is up to him, especially in this this business of all businesses, right, um, of doing God's work, right? But I would say every all work is God's work, yes. but um, especially in a church, you would think it would come naturally to a pastor, but it didn't for me. And, um, and so that was a moment where I think I started to have more of my true self start to shine through. And, and I hope it still continues in my sermons as I preach today. Yeah, that realization, of course. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to end with this. Um, there's kind of a scale by which um, Schizero thinks we can start to maybe measure ourselves in, in the sense of our true self versus our false self. And it kind of scales it from like zero to 100. Zero would be the emotional infant, right? The person who is absolutely dependent on others for what they think, right? What they believe. If someone says, nope, I believe differently, they immediately go with them. And the, the number 100 would be Jesus, all right? So we don't, none of us are there. And, um, but it's where we want to be, right? And it's where Christ is leading us. And so, uh, you know, the person who's the number 100 is at the highest level. They're unaffected by others. They're free to enjoy life because even if they lost their job, they're not determined by things. They're not determined by what others think. They're not determined by circumstances of this life. They are who they know who they are. They are in Christ. Um, in between, I think a lot of people fall on the 50 to 75 um, scale who are Christians. They're they're uh, able to have marriage intimacy without losing their self. They have beliefs without uh, putting others down. Lower than that would be the 25 to 50 people who um, they do well until anxiety comes into their life mm-hmm. when the pressure's on, right? And all of a sudden when the pressure's on in their marriage, their marriage just starts to crumble, right? And so um, I want to get your thoughts real quick on this, Gannon, because I had someone approach me after and say, Trevor, I need need some clarity on this. If I feel like um, because of problems I've got in my life and problems I have dealing with some of these things, I feel like I'm a 25. Is that a measurement of my spiritual life with God? Deep question. It is a deep question. It's, It's a hard one. 
I mean, and I think what we're trying to get at with this whole idea of true self or identifying our shadow side or undealt with fears or doubts or emotions, that sort of thing, is um, uh, the the idea, the concept uh, uh, Schizero brings up is a a concept uh, brought forth by a pioneer in the study of family systems theory, a guy named Murray Bowen. And Murray uh, introduces us to this term of differentiation. And so it's how can I be uh, myself in the midst of uh, work relationships, family relationships, marriage relationships? So how am I? I mean, the old adage of like uh, in marriage, uh, oh, she completes me is not I don't think it's true. We are both uh, individuals, uh, children of the living God. Uh, Yes, we are an icon of the divine. We point to the Holy Trinity. But there's this distinctness that we have and we must celebrate if we're to be in a marriage relationship, if we're going to be in, in the body of Christ. It's, again, it's one body, many parts, right? So it's it's our distinctives that really make the body work. And so, wow, isn't it amazing when we get to celebrate our distinctives and live within our limits and realize that that's not a bad thing? Mm, that's good. Yeah. So what I, I mean, kind of what I hear you saying too is this idea of like living with what God has given you, right? And being in this, um, on this way. I think Schizero says this and any um, theologian worth their salt will say this or pastor worth their salt will say, this is a lifelong process. And um, I, I hope that you or I or other people meet people who are on the higher end of the scale, right? But I don't, I don't think um, this is a measurement. It's not any, like or a grade, and right. it's like a it's a it's a it's about rhythm. I, I I like the concept of rhythm more than balance, and so there are you know I'm looking at this list zero to twenty five. If you got the book, it's on page fifty nine. I mean, it's like it's talking about you know transitions, and I've I I've, I've just been through a major transition. I'm still in in a major transition, and I think there are just times in our life where we you know we might wake up in the morning and be in the midst of something and feel like we're back in seventh grade Hmm. or we might feel like we're you know performing above whatever the the level of maturation is and so i i you know hey we're human and and part of this whole knowing god so we can know ourselves is is identifying the fact that to feel is to be human to follow jesus is to follow the the a fully human one. And so um, what a gift to live in our humanity, to name what's happening, to place it before the cross of Christ for him to deal with, um, to give him our anxiety, to give him our doubt, to give him our um, our, our insecurities and the, the, the parts of ourself that are not uh, holy. And, and to just expect um, change and expect growth and expect abundant life and to, to get to do that in community where we're able to, to talk about that together, to reflect on that together is a beautiful thing. Um, one of the 
the tools here and, and the, the beauty of Schizero is he's, he's kind of coming at things from a, a free church or baptistic or non-denominational perspective, but he's bringing in um, some of the greatest thinkers from throughout church history. And one of those uh, thinkers and practitioners is a guy named Ignatius of Loyola. And Ignatius is the founder of uh, the Catholic uh, Jesuit order, um, lived in the 14, 1500s, I think. Um, he's kind of my wife. He's My wife carries a spiritual hero. But Ignatius was um, really attuned to helping people develop practices uh, to uh, and, and spiritual exercises, he calls them, uh, to, to deepen uh, spiritual life. And one of those uh, practices, one of those exercises is called um, the, the practice of examine. Um, and again, we want to live a reflective life. And um, uh, Ignatius basically challenges all of us to, to a prayer of examine at the end of the day. And so I'm going to invite you into a time of examine. If you're listening, you can, you can um, maybe jot this down or pause or, or remember to, to come back to it. But at the end of each day, and I know people in the congregation who already do this, just to, to bring before the Lord your consolation and your desolation. Consolation being the things in our day that brought us life and joy and peace, the fruits of the Spirit. Desolations would be those things that brought death or turmoil or disquiet, um, spiritual turbulence, uh, even and so with awareness of what we're feeling, uh, rather, if there are things that bring us life or things that bring us uh, turbulence, we just we uh, test the spirits there. Uh, we don't want to just uh, willy-nilly live in our feelings. We want to, we wanna, as it says in 1 John 4, we want to test the spirits to see if they're from God. And so we just bring before the Lord those things that bring us joy, those things that bring us um discomfort. And so I'm just going to invite you now uh, in a moment of quiet as you're walking, as you're driving, as you're listening, just to be quiet before the Lord. And to ask God to bring you those things about your day that brought you joy. You might even list them out. You might speak them out. And say, thank you, Lord, for the deep gladness that I felt walking across the street, smelling the aroma of, of food from the restaurant nearby. Just give those uh, to Jesus with a spirit of gratitude. And now if you can be so bold as to name the things that brought you Desolation, disquiet, inner turmoil. For me, that was recognizing my limits this morning when I looked at my calendar and asking God, how in the world am I going to do all of this? And the Lord reminding me that his grace is sufficient. Um, and so you might list those things out, the things that brought you turmoil, anger, sadness, grief, List those things out. Name those things. And give them to Jesus. 
for Jesus to deal with. And I, and I say, place them before the cross of Christ. The cross that shapes us, the cross that teaches us, the cross that trains us in righteousness. And so as you do that, um, know that you are free in joy and you are free uh, from despair. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you, friends, for listening. Thank you for uh, delving into this uh, concept of knowing yourself so that you can know God as we endeavor together to live an examined life as people on the way of Jesus, uh, shaped uh, as the congregation at Cliff Temple. Uh, so thank you. We love you. We're praying for you. And we look forward to speaking with you again soon.